Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. Enjoy a drink with us while we tell you some wild stories of the brutal and bizarre variety. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we like to end our time with a chaser. So, Mom, what are you going to be telling us about today? I am going to be telling you about the Carbon County Jail, which is haunted and spooky. But first, I wanted to give a quick shout out to another one of our uh, podcast friends. It is the Ghoulish Girls podcast, which is hosted by Anna and Sarah. They uh, do a podcast about supernatural and creepy stuff, which is, you know, always fun. They have really interesting episodes ranging from ghost stories to true crime. And they did an episode on haunted dolls, which really fucking creeped me out. I hate dolls in general, but after listening to that podcast, that episode, I was like, oh, yeah, this is just one more reason for me to hate dolls. I'm not a doll fan. So um, anyway, it's a really good uh, podcast. So I recommend going to check it out. Again, that is the Ghoulish Girls podcast. Mm -hmm. And what story are you going to be telling us about today, Declan? So today I'm going to be talking about Jordan and Evan Caldwell. And to go with this, I have a drink called the Gold Medal. Okay, the gold medal. Ooh, interesting. Yes. So, two ounces of vanilla vodka, one and a half ounce of pineapple juice, three quarters ounce fresh squeezed lemon juice, and three quarters ounce of orange liqueur. You can also uh, garnish with a pineapple wedge if you have one, but I do not. I did not have a pineapple wedge either. So... (laughs) I did not garnish right, again. This. All right. Let's also, mine, mine's half empty because we had technical difficulties. <laughs> mine is not, but it is extremely watered down. So cheers. <laughs> cheers. Mm, that's really good. I like that. It's very that's... fruity. Little bit of tang, but not sour. It's not like it's... too sweet or anything. Mm-mm. That's really good. We've been picking some winners. Yeah. I'm a fan of our to, winning winning drinks. I think it's time to find some bad ones now. Oh, that's... Uh, <laughs> well, we do plenty of that, I'm sure. So, tell me about this story. All right. So, a luge is a small one to two person sled with metal runners on each side. These runners are similar to ice skates. A luge can weigh up to 55 pounds for singles and 66 pounds for doubles. A luger 
lays back on the luge and uses their legs and shoulders to turn similar to how you would on a snowboard. Luge can reach speeds of up to 86 miles an hour. <sighs> and uh, Austrian Manuel Fister, uh, sorry if I said your name wrong, holds the record for the fastest luge traveling at 96 miles an hour. Holy, yeah. I don't want to go that fast in a car. <laughs> Let yeah, not alone. a fucking sled. <laughs> oh, no. No, yeah. no, no, no. So all this information is just background for my story. But, uh... Okay. Luge courses or tracks have steeply banked walls around turns so that you can carry speed safely throughout a turn and are even closer to ice than they are snow. They're, they're super dense ice, pretty much. That makes sense, because you're going to go faster on that. Yeah. In Alberta, Canada, a luge track was built for the 1988 Winter Olympics and was called Canada Olympic Park. On January 29, 2016, three boys, one of which had previously worked at Canada Olympic Park, decided they'd like to try the luge track. The boys grabbed their sleds, snuck into the park, and made their way to the track. Around the starting house of the luge track, there was a large blue fence that said, Authorized personnel only. The boys didn't think twice before hopping the fence with their sleds. After going into the starting house, the group lined up in order and prepared for their first luge by strapping on their helmets and headlamps. One by one, the boys launched and took off. Yeah, they're pretty smart. Yeah, that's good. They they launched down... Uh, One by one, the boys launched and took off down the track, but since they were using regular sleds, they weren't going as fast as they'd like, even getting stuck on certain parts of the track. Once all the boys reached the bottom, they decided that they should try and go all in one sled, thinking the extra weight would help them gain speed. They marched back up to the starting house with all three boys loaded in one sled, and this extra weight was exactly what they needed. The boys shot down the loose track without getting stuck and carried a decent amount of speed. This was so fun that the boys went a few more times before calling it a night. The following weekend, the three boys went back up to the Canada Olympic Park, but this time they brought some extra friends, so now eight boys were making their way up to the loose track. After some deliberation, they decided to put three kids in the first sled, three kids in the second sled, and two in the final sled. The boys lined up, however, this time they didn't bring helmets or headlamps, so they all got into position and readied themselves. The first group launched themselves, and boom, they were off. Everything was going according to plan. They had enough weight, so they were flying down the hill. However, they didn't bring headlamps this time, so they would have no idea about the chain that had been put on the track since the last time they went. (sighs) This chain... (laughs) This chain was used to keep sections of the track together and was unfortunately right at neck height for the boys. The the first group came in hot and since it was dark, they couldn't see the chain and slammed right into it, instantly decapitating 17-year-old Evan Caldwell. The The other two boys on the sled were thrown from the track and knocked unconscious. The second sled group couldn't hear anything, so they figured the first group made it down successfully and launched. They were zooming down the hill and managed to miss a majority of the chain. 
However, they were all thrown from the sled and one kid suffered a broken ankle. But before they could call up and tell the third group about the chain, it was too late. The second group watched in horror as the third group bombed the track. Evan's twin brother Jordan was sitting in the front of the third sled and was also instantly decapitated. <sighs> a boy from the first sled who was knocked unconscious came to and saw a friend from the second group standing over him, saying a prayer and singing a religious song. One of the boys called 911, and shortly after, officials arrived to help. Six of the eight boys survived this horrific accident to tell their story. And best wishes to the survivors and the Caldwell family. Oh my... That's yeah. awful. Pretty, that is... Pretty fucking heavy story. Yeah! It's like, it's like Final Destination type death. Cause it, That's a bummer, uh, it, man. Only people were killed were the twins. That's yeah. It's really strange. Oh, their poor family. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Best wishes to them. That. Oh. It must be so devastating. No kidding, and it's not that long ago that this happened. You said it was 2016. Yeah. Wow. Ugh. Wow, yeah. that's very, very, very sad. Yeah, not a fun way to start off the podcast, but no, yeah, we. It bring was a brutal down, story. <laughs> yeah, it was a brutal story. That's for sure. Alrighty, mom. Cheers. Back up with with your br- br- bizarre story. I don't. I don't know if it's going to cheer anybody up, but it's, it's not as be better than mine. <laughs> tragic as yours. Yeah. Mine's also old, so you know anybody directly related to this is gone, long gone. So okay. Uh, so this is about the Carbon County Jail, and uh. This is in Pennsylvania. So jails and prisons are full of men and women proclaiming their innocence. I think we all know that. There is a jail in Carbon County in the town of Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, where a prisoner proclaimed his innocence in 1877. That statement of innocence has endured to this day in cell number 17. So let me start with a little history about this area back in the late 1800s. In Pennsylvania, there was a lot of coal mining going on, specifically the mining of anthracite, which has a higher energy yield than some other types of coal. And it also apparently burns a little cleaner. So that makes it, it's fancy coal, if you want to think about it that way. It's fancy. Mining as a business was often not very nice, especially to the miners. Mining company owners were very financially motivated, and in an effort to reap the most rewards for themselves, they paid the workers basically nothing, very small wages, and allowed the working conditions to be substandard 
Substandard is kind of a nice way to say it. It was real shitty, and a lot of people died. Yeah, their Christmas bonus was black lung. Yeah, pretty, or or just death. I mean, a lot, like hundreds of miners died because they just didn't give a shit. They were like, whatever. Jesus. Uh, so they recruited Irish and Welsh immigrants to conduct a lot of the work, which allowed them to pay less than typical prevailing wages. Like I said, working conditions in the mines were dangerous and led to hundreds of deaths. Unhappy with the circumstances and the crappy pay from the mining companies, many workers formed a union geared toward making the situation better, while some others decided to revolt. They were like, eh, let's let's take it up a step beyond being unionized. <laughs> let's fight back. <laughs> Those involved in the uprising were known as the Molly Maguires. The Molly Maguires was a secret society active in Ireland, Liverpool, and parts of the eastern U.S. Their methods of activism were often strong and violent. They they were called, so the secret society was called the Molly Maguires based on that there was a secret, not, not a secret society, uh, that Molly Maguire was an Irish woman who stood up against landlords back in like the early 1800s and she did it fairly violently and so this new group said she was a badass let's call ourselves after her and carry on the tradition of violently opposing the people that are trying to push us down so that's dope yeah uh, the mining company owners were angered by the miners forming a union and revolting against the wages and working conditions. In an effort to stop the workers' revolution, the head of one of the companies hired a private investigating company known as the Pinkerton Agency. Hmm. Yes. So for all the video game players, that's the main bad guy in Red Dead Redemption 2, the Pinkertons. Is it? Well, the Pinkertons yeah. is a real thing. It's a real I didn't group. know that. That's cool. There you go. The Pinkerton detectives were tasked with in infiltrating the union and the Molly Maguires with the intent of identifying anyone who participated in the secret group and gathering evidence against them for criminal prosecution. However, the identification of the Molly Maguires was not only used for prosecution, it was also used for vengeance, and several members and their families were killed just for being associated with the group. So they said, these guys belong to it. Uh, we're not just going to try and bring them up on charges for fighting against us and plotting revenge, but let's go beat the shit out of their families and, you know, kill them and stuff like that. So not, not okay. real nice. Um, the investigation led to dozens of people being named as members of the secret society. After some time, enough evidence was gathered and about 20 members of the Molly Maguires were arrested for murder and sentenced to hang for their supposed crimes. One of these men was Alexander Campbell, an Irish-born immigrant who owned a tavern in Pennsylvania. He was suspected of being a member of the Molly Maguires and was believed to be a recruiter for the group. So all that about the Molly Maguires and all of that was just kind of history to bring you to 
this point where we're going to talk about the jail itself and what what really happened. Legendly. Legend has it. I feel like haunted jails have more evidence than other haunted places. Haunted jails and haunted asylums, those make sense to me, but like a haunted well, yeah, daycare, I mean, maybe not. Right. Yeah. Depends on where your daycare is. Was it always a daycare or did it used to be a jail? <laughs> Hopefully I not. Hope not. I mean, daycare is kind of jail for kids. Yeah, they get their yard time. They get yes. some lunches in the cafeteria. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, okay, where was I? <laughs> Um, so Alexander Campbell was suspected of being a member of the Molly Maguires, and he was believed to be a recruiter for the group. Based on testimony from one detective with the Pinkerton Agency, Campbell was in a group of about four men. Well, the group that was arrested in this uh, section, it was four men, including um, Alexander Campbell. So this group of four men arrested, held in the Carbon County Jail, waiting for their execution. Campbell claimed innocence. He kept saying the whole time he was there, I'm innocent. I didn't do any of this shit. I, you know, I, I didn't do anything that they're accusing me of. In the meantime, while they're in jail, they are having to listen to the construction of the gallows that is going to be used to later hang them. Jesus. Execution. Hey, not only are we going to execute you, but you have to listen to us build how we're going to execute you. Yeah. Yeah. That's one form of torture alone. Exactly. <laughs> Just listening exactly. to construction noises. For sure. On execution day in 1877, Campbell claimed his innocence once again, and in visual demonstration of his protest, he placed his hand on the dirty floor, then firmly marked his handprint onto the wall of his cell, cell number 17. He stated his print would remain on the wall forever as a sign of his innocence. Basically saying, anybody who sees this handprint is now going to know that I was innocent and it's going to be a reminder. So they're going to be like, why is that handprint there? Oh, well, the guy that left it there said he was innocent. And so you should feel bad that my handprint is there. The handprint is still visible on the cell wall to this day. Damn. Uh-huh. Numerous efforts. Well, the legend is that he put his hand in the dirt on the floor and then he stuck it to the wall. Saying this handprint's going to be there forever to remind everyone that they killed, they, they hanged an innocent man. Maybe he just did like a one of those Thanksgiving turkeys and just chiseled around. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Numerous efforts over the decades have been made to remove the handprint, including washing the wall, sanding it off, painting over the print, and reportedly even trying to replaster the area. The print still comes through. Just knock that wall down and build a new one. That's the true way to test it. <laughs> Supposedly, they took that chunk of the wall out, took it out, I replastered the whole thing it. Down. I don't think they tried that, but I'm not sure. 
I'm Make not the sure. open floor plan jail cell. Yeah, right. <laughs> Gen pop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the prison has been listed on the National Register of Historic Labor Conflicts and is now a privately owned museum. There are numerous reports that the location is haunted, and it has been featured in several TV shows like Ghost Adventures, Portals to Hell. It's been featured on the Discovery Channel and the History Channel. People have seen and photographed uh, other things going on there. So it's not just the handprint, but uh, there are other things like floating orbs, feeling cold spots, uh, the sensation that you're being watched and that you're never physically alone, even though there's literally no one around you, you feel like somebody's watching your ass. That's freaky. Yeah. I don't like that feeling. I don't... (laughs) I don't like that either. Some visitors have felt like they were shoved by unseen entities as if they have overstayed their welcome. Guests have heard loud banging sounds coming from the basement where solitary confinement cells used to be. It is believed that the prison is haunted by members of the Molly Maguires and other prisoners who died on site. Former inmates are not the only ones believed to haunt the location. The warden once lived on site and visitors have heard pots and pans clanging from the kitchen area where the warden used to live. The museum goes the museum does offer ghost tours, so if you want to see the handprint and experience the ghost yourselves, you can go check it out. I'm alright. No? You're not going? I'm good. Nah. We shouldn't plan a, a trip to Pennsylvania. I think we should. What is there to do in Pennsylvania? I'm sure there's stuff we've never there's been stuff there. everywhere but that's true <laughs> we could that's go true. somewhere that has more stuff there might be a lot of stuff around there i have no idea any of our listeners from pennsylvania if you want to tell us super cool stuff to go check out there then give us a holler and we'll know <laughs> so that is my story about the carbon county jail that i think we should go see I don't think we should go see. No. I don't like haunted things. <laughs> I think it'd be cool. Huh, whatever. You Have you ever been to a haunted place before? It's not fun. I don't know. I don't know. What haunted place have you been to? There was this, uh, I guess it was folklore for our town. There's this house that burned down behind the Home Depot on that big hill. It was like the only house that burned oh, down yeah. for... People said people were doing satanic rituals in there and burned it down on accident. So it was right by my buddy's house, and we were like, fuck it, let's just go check it out. And we went there. It was super weird. They had, like, a bunch of posters of, like, a Star Wars fighter pilot. And it said, have you seen this man? And they were just put all over the burnt-down house. And, (laughs) yeah. And then... The weirdest part is one of the buddies that came with us was recording a video on Snapchat and posted it on a story. And we were all watching it when we got back. And there was this giant red orb in one of the windows. So he he went like this on the house. He like panned it a couple times. And on the first pan, you see this giant red orb. He like takes a step and then you see this. He like pans back and it's gone. And then he pans back and it's there again. And then the video so ends. 
did you see the orb when you were standing there? Do you, no, just on the recording. No. But so we were doing this at night, and we didn't know if it was. I think statute of limitations are up on this. We didn't know if it was private Probably. property. <laughs> so Probably was. There, there was like this weird. It wasn't like a trailer. It was kind of like a decrepit shed type thing on there, and. We so we were the way it's set up is this house was in the middle of this like big long hill. It's not super steep, but it's a long hill. So we're sitting at the very top, crouched in the grass, looking at this, trying to make sure no one else is there, so we don't get like robbed or something. But we see someone walking like on the property, and they go in the shed. But it's like we're so far away that we're kind of just like uh, was that somebody but there's something moving and it goes in the shed and then we get down there and that's the first thing we check out because it's eight fucking teenage boys and we're just like looking around and we're like if someone's here we could probably all take them so <laughs> we go and look in the shed and no one's in the shed and then we take that video and that happens so it was a weird experience oh. and it freaked me out yeah <laughs> did you feel weird like, when you were there, did you feel creeped out? Yeah, but only because I knew it was a haunted... It was supposed to be haunted. If I was just there, like, walking through the woods, and I was like, oh, oh this cool house, that's... I'd probably get an uneasy feeling, but I don't think I'd feel haunted or anything. But mm. I don't know. It was a I weird experience that I had. I haven't been in anything like that, but... I did have an issue when we went into an antique store in town, not too far away from the house. Um, it's not open. That antique store is not open anymore. But when I walked into the room, there was, I, I don't remember exactly what was in there. I believe there was like either like a little baby's cradle or a bassinet or something. I, I just vaguely remember like a baby kind of thing. And I walked in and I felt so uncomfortable. I, I couldn't even explain it. I just felt like something was telling me to get the hell out of there. And I turned around to your dad and I was like, I got to go. And he's like, what, you don't, you don't want to look around? I'm like, no, I got to go. I got to get the hell out of here. There's something, something in here. I don't feel good. And he thought I was talking about being like feeling sick or something. I was like, no, I just feel like something was making me feel really uncomfortable and I had to get out. That's the only thing I've had like that. I've never experienced that before or since. And it was weird. See, I I would use my radar and try and find the haunted item and buy it. <laughs> Give it to someone I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like at the cashier be like, oh, I don't live here. Can I have you ship this to my house? I'll cover the shipping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ship it to someone you don't like. <laughs> Deal with this now, bitch. <laughs> right. You got a haunted baby bassinet. I don't know if it was the bassinet. I don't know what it was, but I just didn't feel good in there, and it was yucky. So, yeah, that is anyway. yucky. Well, Do you have a chaser for us. I 
do have a chaser. I'm really excited about this chaser, too. So um, I have mentioned the Crime Scenes and Cupcakes podcast before mm-hmm. on our show. Uh, and it's it's a really good podcast. Uh, but the lady that runs it that has that podcast, she also has um, a another business that's it's the cocktail cupcakes it's also on instagram as well if you're looking for it on instagram cocktail and cupcakes is spelled with a k instead of c's um and she does customized boozy cupcakes for special events and it's located in wichita kansas so i'm really bummed out that it's not around (laughs) the corner because i can't go get myself a boozy cupcake but she contacted me the other day, letting me know that we are on her menu, and she named a cupcake after us. What is it? Um, well, it's named the Brutal Bazaar and Boozy Cupcake. It is an apple cider cupcake with fireball frosting, a shot of fireball with it, and it's topped with a fireball-soaked cherry. That yeah. sounds dope. I know. <laughs> I, want I, want, I want that freaking cupcake <laughs> so bad. It, I love all of those things. What, where is she located again? Kansas. Yeah, fuck. We're not going to Pennsylvania. We're going to Kansas, though. <laughs> we're going fuck, to Kansas. Fuck to get Pennsylvania. Cupcakes. Yeah, that's true. I would 100% go get a cupcake overseeing a haunted <laughs> Yeah. Um, but the cupcake that she named after us. I'm super excited. Um, was inspired by our coverage of Travis Walton. Ooh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I get so, it. The fireball, firework. I, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, just thought I'd tell you all about it. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. We have yeah. to go and try that. I know. We got to go to Kansas. Road trip. Yep. On an airplane. I'm not driving to Kansas. <laughs> So my chaser is about care home residents surprised by festive penguins. <gasps> no yeah. way. So, oh residents of a God. senior home got a flipping good surprise last week after two charming feathered guests arrived to deliver some Christmas cheer. Seniors at the Coline View facility in Halstead, Essex, woke up to find two penguins outside. Accompanied by introductions using their adorable names, Pringle and Widget, waddled through the halls, exploring (laughs) the UK care home. That (laughs) is super cool. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that that makes me smile. If I just saw a penguin outside. (laughs) Absolutely. That is awesome. Very cool. All righty. Well, I think that just about wraps us up. I enjoyed yes, hearing it does. your haunted prison story. You don't have to say huh. you enjoyed hearing mine because I no. neither one of us did. But no, it was yucky. No. Yeah. Oh, I have one more thing to say. <laughs> okay. We have a Patreon account now for Ooh, anyone who that. is interested in helping support our trips to the liquor store because. Liquor is not cheap, and you would help nope. us in getting new stuff. Um, it is the Brutal Bazaar and Boozy Podcast on Patreon.com, 
And what I have learned is that if you search for us on a browser like Google Chrome or Safari or whatever, you can find us. But if you use the Patreon app, you cannot find us. Why, I don't know. And Patreon will not help us figure that out. They said it's not their problem, basically. So if you are interested in joining our Patreon, feel free to go check it out. We've got three tiers, varying prices. All of them have cool swag that come along with it. So please go check it out. And that's all yeah. my spiel for Patreon. So Yeah, go check us out, y'all. All right. Well, I love you, Mom. I love you too, bud. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening and supporting our podcast. We would love for you to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to give us a five-star rating, we would forever be grateful. You can contact us at our email via thebrutalandbizarre at gmail.com or on our Instagram at thebrutal underscore bizarre underscore boozy.